and Father, I just ask that um, you be with us, you be for us. Thanks for letting us come just as we are, Father, but do not let us leave that way. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Today, um, I'm hoping will be the final part. Oh, no, it will be. We'll finish this series today, um, which means I've got to speed through one of them. Um, so we're going to be going through the last of the Jesuit statements. Um, Jesus kind of just goes ham um, today because he literally just he just starts. It's almost like he's really being extremely. He's been provocative already, but now it's just like he's showing off. It's like it's it's like literally trying to get duppied. Um, it's like it's a beg. So today we're looking through John 14 and hopefully we'll have time for his last one in John 15 which I'm aiming to do so Jesus says let not your hearts be troubled believe in God believe also in me in my father's house are many rooms if it were not so I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for um, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you And if so, I go and prepare a place for you. I will come again and I will take you to myself. And where I am, you may be also. After saying where I'm going, you guys can't go. This is further on now. He's doing a bigger picture. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Just we the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me if you had known me you would also know my father also from now on you do know him and have seen him philip says show us the father and it is enough for us jesus said to him have i been with you so long philip said to him show us father that is enough for us jesus said to him have i been with you so long and you still do not know me philip whatever has whoever has seen the Father, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does this work. Believe in me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these he will do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name I will do, the Father may, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything, anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus then um, goes on, continues, and he promises that about the Holy Spirit, that he won't leave us as orphans, it will come back to us, that he sends, um, the Spirit will be sent. And um, I'm going to skip down now, continuing the same line of thought conversation, John 15, just so that I can cram all this in, and then we can talk about how this reflects and how this connects with us. Um, I am the true vine, just we the true vine, and the Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes, that it may, be be- may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he that he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing if anyone does not abide in me he is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burn if you abide in me and my words abide in you 
ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love, live in my love. If you keep my commandments, you abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is the commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, and someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my, from the, my father I have made known to you. You do not choose me, but I chose you and appointed that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask my Father in my name will be given to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. So there's so much that's being said and there are so many layers to everything that Jesus has said. Like it is, like we, would, we don't have time today to do all the different layers of the different language and the different way things have been done. So the term the way is used again and again and again. One of the earliest times way is used is like with the garden. It talks about them being banished because of their sin. It talks about death. It talks about being kept away from the garden. Within the garden is the tree of life. They're kept away from the tree of life. There is a sword that turns every way, it says. Like an angel with a sword turns every way, keeps everyone out of it. So there hasn't been no way. All they've ever been told from that point is, yeah, Eden, you keep amen in. And they've been told like, if you go this way, that's the wrong way. That's the wrong way. Turn from your sins. Turn from this. Turn from that. Um, they were told time and time again, there is a woman that, from the woman there is one that would come um, and talks about him, um, the serpent biting his heel and him crushing his skull. It talks all throughout the Old Testament prophets um, to turn from this way, to turn from that way, not going this way, not going that way. And then the Hebrew word for sin is a pictorial word and the pictorial description of the word means to go the wrong way. And so Jesus comes along and all they've heard for thousands of years is don't turn this way, don't turn that way, don't go this way, don't go that way. And everyone's like, well, what flipping way do we go? Is kind of pretty much how they would feel. So you have this instruction in the law of how to live, who you're supposed to be, your identity. And um, then Jesus stands up. For thousands of years they've been hearing, don't go this way, don't go that way. And Jesus just announces... Just we, the way, the truth and the life. I am the way. So when he says that, he's saying, I'm the way back to Eden. I'm the way back into the garden. I'm the way to the tree of life. And he says it even in that statement. I am the way. So he takes this vivid, powerful image away from sin, coming to him, as he said time again, all who are weary and heavy laden, come unto me and I will give you rest. You want rest? You want life? You come to me. I'm the source of this. So he's using a word which they understand being associated with sin, reminding them that they're inadequacy, reminding them there is no way back to God that they actually directly have. And then Jesus says, I am the way. Um, and then he says this statement that I am the truth. Now, truth is a very strange thing. In our society, I feel like one of the key areas why uh, we are mistranslated and misunderstood and why Christianity is completely detached from our, our society, the way we do things, the way we see things, is I think it's because of the way we handle truth. Um, the Greeks saw truth very differently from the Hebrews. So the Greeks saw truth as this kind of ethereal thing. So they would see, um, they wouldn't look to what happens in front of them. They were to look for what's behind it, what's underpinning it, what's undergirding it. And so they would talk a lot about philosophy. They wouldn't base truth so much on the, the here and now in front of them. It was about what was behind it that they would look into. 
And as a society, we have very much a Greek thinking. We're a Western um, nation. And the way we think is we don't really talk about absolute truths anymore. We don't talk about truth in that sense. We talk about truth being relative. We have stupid, ridiculous conversations going on like, what's true for you is true for you, what's true for me is true for me. What if my truth says your truth is a lie, is it still true? Like, what, 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 what value does truth have when it's that flexible, when it, we just look at it from this, in, in, in this way? The Hebrew people looked as truth as very different. The Hebrews didn't really care what was behind it. They didn't really care. They had no interest in it whatsoever. For them, what was true was their actions. So what was true was what you do. So the law is instruction. And so their focus was very much on what you do. So people that came to Jesus, he's talking here again and again about if you abide in me, if you obey my commandments, if you live this out, you're my friends, you're my people. This is what you are. You're abiding in me. You're living in me because you're living it. You're doing it. Now, what we have in the church nowadays is we have a group of people that have a lot of emphasis on what they believe. It's all about what you believe. It's all about what you believe. There's this complete detachment from what actually happens right in front of you. And, and you see, that doesn't work for me. And the reason that doesn't work for me on any level, let alone one level, it doesn't work for me on a spiritual level, it doesn't work for me on a physical level, it doesn't work for me on an emotional level. Because here's what I have. I've got a lot of friends who are against slavery. A lot of friends who are doing nothing about slavery. It's still here. There's, there's over 27 million around the world. And we talk about... Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't believe in slavery. Oh yeah, I totally that's wrong. What you mean is, I wouldn't have someone as a personal slave. <laughs> They're different things. There's no action to it. There's no, there's no get up and go. Yeah, Eden. Yeah. There's this complete detachment. But it, it's, it's all down to as long as you believe the right things. And you can see this nowhere better than when my wife works. My wife works at The Guardian. And she's done a few bits of work from home. And so she's sitting there in the comments section and she has to make sure, check whether something's liable, whether something's slanderous, all the different statements. And what you see is you see all these people commenting on everything because what you believe matters. Their voice has to be heard, their opinion on this political situation. How many of the commenters, if they got up and did something about any of the situations they were on about, they'd be solved fairly quickly. But what we care about is we're like, oh, 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 it's what we believe. And so we want someone else to do it. So we want to believe something that should change government policy, which should certainly solve every problem around. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. So when you take it to this level, a lot of the problems we have as a society is because not just on a, on a faith-based level, but on every base level, there is this detachment from action and belief. And so what we have is we have a marriage that doesn't work. Whereas what we really need is like a seesaw where our lives are equally balanced with the right kind of thinking that the Greeks were orientated around, with the right level of action which the Hebrew people were orientated about. And when you have a happy marriage of these two, you have balance and you have restoration. Now what Jesus did was he proclaimed in this statement, just read the way. He's saying, I'm the way. And he says, not only am I the way, not only am I making clear to you the way that you should live, the way that you will have life, the way that you'll have equilibrium, you'll have peace, you'll have all that is good in this world. Not only am I the way, he says, I am the truth. Now the truth is totally different because when we look at it, we can always label him with this Greek ideology of that he is the truth of all things and all natures and, and talk, think about something behind everything. Whereas actually when he makes this statement, he's saying I'm the truth. Everything I believe I am. Everything I believe I do. 
And when Jesus spoke, he spoke differently than even the Hebrew people that understood and believed this way of life, because they would say of him, who is this man who teaches with authority? Which translates as, who is this guy who actually does what he says? Who is this guy that speaks situations into being and they change? And so when he declares to this crowd, he's saying, I am the way to God. Not only that, I am the truth. Check out my track record. I have done everything I've said, not only what I've said here and now, but everything I've spoken throughout the thousands of years that he was the word that had not yet become flesh and blood within our Facebook timeline. He had spoken all these things and he's done all of them, ticked them off one after another. And when you check back throughout thousands of years of tradition, you see him fulfilling the words of Isaiah, of Zechariah, of Hosea, of all the different prophets listening through them all and all the different points of the law. He just lives it and he is it and he fulfills it. And he has this truth. Now, truth is an amazing thing in the Hebrew language because it's this word emet, which is not how you pronounce it, but we'll roll with it. And what's amazing about it is actually a three-letter three word. And it takes the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, the second letter of, of, of truth is the middle letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and the final word of letter in truth is the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The idea for them was that even in the word as it was written and as established was that the truth is what it's about from beginning to end in the middle. It encompasses everything, that everything is in the truth and the truth is revealed in our actions. If we were to have an example of this, we could look at the Joseph story when his brothers come and he, he tries to find the truth in them about his own situation and about whether they had changed who they were and he tried to keep their brother back. So the statement he says to them, he said it, um, in verse 14 of Genesis 42, but Joseph said to them, it is as, you, as I said to you, you are spies, but this you shall be tested by the life of Pharaoh. You shall not go from this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Send one of you and let him bring your brother while you remain confined, that your words may be tested whether there is truth in you. Oh. Don't take me away. I'm, 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 I'm heckling. So... So when, when this statement is made, it says that it may be tested that there is truth in you. So truth isn't this idea of, yeah, yeah, we totally have a brother, oh, we totally would take him here. It's like you need to bring your brother here. It's not true until he's here. It's not true until it's done. That's the Hebrew way of thinking. So in this passage, we see that. So with Jesus, we see him say a lot, but everything he says is true because he does it, because he acts it, acts it out. Now, the last interesting thing about this word truth is in the Hebrew is that the first letter is Alf, which is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. If you remove Alf from the word truth in Hebrew, you end up with their word for death. So it's like if you remove anything from truth, you end up with death. And so with Jesus, he is the means we have life because he has the perfect balance where nothing is missing, where nothing is lacking, where everything he's said, everything he's done, he's fulfilled and has been fulfilled in him. Because when you take away anything from truth, you don't end up with life, you end up with death. So then we find out the last thing. So he is the way, he is the means. He said, repent. That's what Jesus said. So he's the way. All the other ways were the wrong way. He says, repent, follow him. We turn away from the way we go. We follow him. And when we follow him, we're guided in truth. It changes the way we live. It changes the way we act. And then what's the last thing he says? He says, I am the way. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He is the life. And what's amazing about that particular picture is when we think about the life, we think about the tree of life. That's the image that that shows up. 
when we think about the life, we also think about um, about this means that when you stick those three words together, when you stick the way that they look at it, when you stick their history and their life behind it, he's, he in this moment is fulfilling everything, bringing it right back to that place that God is their life source. And so when we look at Jesus, not only is he our way to God in who he is, it's his truth of who he is and how he lives that he wants us to live. He doesn't want you to live a life where you've got a statement of faith about him. He doesn't want you to live a life where you've got an idea that you proclaim on a Facebook status. He's not looking for any of that stuff. He's looking for a life that, yeah, you get things wrong, yeah, you make mistakes, but you seek to live and to do and to make manifest his truth through your life in all that you do, in your relationships, in your family, in all that you are. And when we think of truth in that sense, it's not a quest for a systematic theology that I can quote off that when someone asks me a question, and my daughter is mocking my existence behind me, you can reel off this idea or this notion, but that you live it and that it comes out of who we are. And then lastly, he talks about the vine. I am the vine, just we the vine. And he talks about we are the branches. And he talks about the father being, being the life source and us all being connected into him through Jesus. And that picture is a powerful one. We did a series a little while ago um, called Artifacts. And when we looked at that series, we looked at all of the artifacts that the children of Israel had created when they left Egypt that served as spiritual messages, reminders of who they were and where they were going. They found their identity in them. And they had the candlestick, which if you were here, you'd have seen that I brought in this like tiny miniaturized version of it. And on the candlestick, you had the seven branches and you had the middle piece and then you had these like little buds coming off of the golden arms. And their way of looking at it was that they saw themselves as being connected to God. And the thing about this candlestick was the way that the branches came out, that when you lit the light, and Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. When you lit the light, the way the candlesticks were, is though the arms came out and were separate individual candles, when you lit them all, it came as one light, one beam that would come across them all because their proximity to one another. That though they were different, they were shining out the one light that would come for them, which was God, and he was their source, and he was their light, and they joined in his light, and his light was shining out through them. And they did it in this kind of vine kind of way, this tree kind of way, these little buds coming off of the golden arms of the candlestick. And so when Jesus talks about I am the vine and gives this picture, he talks about it bearing fruit. He says, it's so important that you actually shine a light. It's not, it's not theory. It's not mentality. It's not like, well, I believe it's really good to shine a light in my generation for Jesus and be a really good witness in the workplace. He doesn't care that you've got a great thing you can say. He's saying, are you going to shine it or do we need to prune it? Do we need to grow something else there? Does something else need to grow there? Do you need to be pruned back and regrow or do you need to be cut off and thrown away? Are you going to, are you going to burn for me? Are you going to shine bright or are you going to get taken away and burned? Because this thing, is, this thing is real, for realsies. That's what Jesus is saying. Today's message is all about for realsies because he is saying, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. And if you want to know what it means to be alive, you have to be connected to me and you have to be a part of this revolution that is lived out through your actions not in some theory textbook. So the way that Jesus is talking is one that challenges us to the core and then ultimately he brings it round to love and he highlights to them, listen, you've seen the love that I've shown you. You've seen it and that is how you are to love one another. And then he goes to the extreme of making the point that he is about to give his life for them and that he calls them friends. And when we finish today, we finish on that. We finish on a call to love one another, 
to love outside of ourselves to a, a, a wider um, group. But ultimately what we hear is we hear that we love not because we are told to love, but we're here to love because he has loved us, because his love reigns in us, that his love flows out um, through um, us. We don't love because we're told to, we love because we were first loved by Christ. Um, I'm going to pray for us and then we'll wrap that up and that will wrap up the Just With Jesus series. Um, Father, I thank you for goodness. Thank you you've called us to love. But I thank you, you haven't just thrown out this statement of to love, but you've shown us what it looks like. You've modeled it for us and you've given everything for us and we've experienced your love. And it's that same love you wish to flow out from us, not to keep to ourselves, but to flow out the same way that you didn't keep your love for, for yourself, but you gave it for us and that you call us friends and you've revealed your plan to us. Um, Father, we just pray this would be um, flowing out of us into our lives and those around us that need it this week. Help us to see, help us to hear um, the stories of those around us that we may know who needs our love this week more than, than others do, Father, because we are finite, we are limited. Help us to see who it is in front of us this week we need to love. I pray, Father, by the power of your spirit, you'll start speaking to us, um, giving us dreams, putting people in our minds that need that love, and that we would lavish that out, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.